Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Kyra Mann, CEO of MitoAction, and we thank you for joining us for today's presentation as we learn more about Ultragenics Pharmaceuticals LCFAOD Disease Monitoring Program. Today's presentation will be recorded and available on the MitoAction website in the coming days. We encourage you to ask questions throughout the presentation using the Q&A feature on the bottom of your screen. If you're calling in via phone, feel free to submit your questions at info at mitoaction.org. We will do our best to get through as many questions as possible at the end of the presentation. If you are following along via phone, you can access the presentation slides as well at www.mitoaction.org slash resources slash DMP for disease monitoring program. So as we have learned more and more in the rare disease community, patients taking an active role in clinical trials is, is critical, whether it be through active trial participation, providing information to help shape the design of a trial, or providing patient reported data to help clinicians and researchers better understand your disease experiences, the patient voice is an essential element of advancing therapies. So we're excited today to learn of an upcoming, upcoming opportunity for those in the LCFAOD community to take an active role. Joining us today is Kristen Voorhees, Associate Director of Patient Advocacy with Ultragenics Pharmaceutical and Laura Pisani Bentoncourt, MD, Ultragenics Medical Director of Global Clinical Development. Please join me in welcoming Kristen and Laura. Thank you, Kyra. Thank you very much. And good morning, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Kristen and I'll be joined by Laura. And so we'll do some introductions in just a minute. Uh, we're really excited to be back with MitoAction. We were um, on an expert webinar series in May talking about another research program, the LCFAOD Odyssey Study. And we're really pleased to have been invited back and have the opportunity to talk with you about a very different type of, um, of, of program and, and study. So we're, um, I'm sorry, Laura, could you go back one? I'm sorry. So we're going to be talking with, with you about the Ultragenics LCFAOD uh, DMP. It's also known as the Disease Monitoring P P Program. And we're going to be walking you through our commitment to advancing LCFAOD research globally. You can go. Thank you. Um, so again, my name is, is Kristen Voorhees. I have had the pleasure of working with the LCFAOD community for almost four years. I've been with, um, with Ultragenics. It'll be four years in October. And I've uh, been working on the program since day one. And it's been a real honor to learn from everybody and really partner with MitoAction and others. And I'll be talking with you about um, the role of patient advocacy in just a minute. But I'd like to hand it over to Laura to share an introduction for her as well. Hello, everyone. My name is Laura Pesadin Beckencourt. I am um, a medical geneticist with a multi-annual experience in the trenches of metabolic disorders as a clinician. And I have now joined Ultragenics this year as a medical director of global clinical development to help uh, spearhead programs in the field of rare disorders and specifically metabolic diseases. Thanks, Laura. You can jump to the next slide, please. So we have three main agenda items that we wanted to cover with everybody. So the first is, if you're not already familiar, we'll talk with you a little bit about who we are as a company and our, our commitment to people living with LCFAOD. 
we'll walk through how the community has been and will continue to advance research ultragenics. And then I'm going to hand it over to Laura, who's going to share an overview of the LCFAOD uh, DMP. She's going to be talking about the study goals, the, the design of the program and different details. Um, we're going to be covering our overall collective vision to advance research for the entire community. So we're really here to advance research for the community and not just the company. And then finally, we've saved time for next steps and Q&A. So please do um, submit any questions you have in the chat and Kyra will be able to facilitate that. So very quickly, um, for those of you who may, may not be familiar, Ultragenics is a biopharmaceutical company and we're committed to bringing patients novel products for the treatment of rare and ultra rare, rare, rare diseases. And LCFAOD is one of the conditions we have been studying since about 2013. So we have a very long track record. Um, and we are headquartered in Nevada, California, which is outside of San Francisco. We have offices all over the Bay Area, as well as in Massachusetts. And we have global presence in Europe and Latin America. And then we have colleagues also in Canada. And so we've grown um, since 2010. We probably have almost 1,000 employees. And what I think is very important for patient communities to understand is that our CEO and founder um, is a physician and, and, and researcher, Dr. Emil Kakis. And he actually began his work and early in his career by partnering with a patient advocacy organization to develop a new treatment for um, a rare disorder called MPS type 1. And so we always like to share that, that story because it really does set um, our internal culture and our, our leadership vision for our role in developing new medicines for the community. We do believe that you are our partners um, in that process. Next slide, please. So who is the patient advocacy and patient engagement team in Ultragenics and really what, what is our role in all of this? So first of all, we see our, our, perp our, our purpose as advancing global rare disease advocacy through inclusive patient engagement and partnership. We have a team in North America that covers both the US and Canada. We also have colleagues in Europe and Latin America. Um, and we look to achieve this work through three different ways. First of all, we really look to the community as the expert. We think that as, as somebody living with or impacted by a rare disease, you are the ones who can tell us uh, what it's like. And so we look to you as the expert and not just healthcare providers. And so through this, we build long-term relationships with organizations like MitoAction and others in the rare disease space. And we also bring together um, patients and, and family members, whether it's a care partner, a parent, a sibling, a grandparent. And our goal is to be able to, to understand your experiences, challenges, and unmet needs. And we'll talk a little bit in a few minutes about those forums. But what I, what I want to highlight is that because in rare diseases, it can be quite heterogeneous, it's very important for us to understand the, the diverse um, experience. And, and so we're really focused on understanding as many different per perspectives as possible. Second is once we have this information, we look to bring it internally and incorporate all that we've learned and the perspectives into our company decision-making and programs. And so patient advocacy works with dozens of, of different people internally, including Laura and other colleagues. And it's through those relationships in, internally that we're able to incorporate what we learn from you into all stages of development. And we're going to be sharing with you some of those examples today. We also believe it's really important to share with you the, the impact of your input. And again, that's why we're here um, this morning or this afternoon. 
And third is in addition to incorporating your, your voice into programs and decision-making, we also look to address unmet needs in, in other areas. So we can do that through um, partnering with organizations like Mito Action and others. We provide grants and sponsorships. We look to develop education, and we've been doing this in LCFAOD for a number of years. And so um, hopefully you'll be able to, to tune in, into some of that at INC. And then third is we have a an ultrarareadvocacy.com website, which is where we share um, events and di different information and resources for all rare diseases. And you can also find us on Facebook. Okay, so when we think about um, advancing any type of research and specifically with LCFAOD, we really look to you and the community as our partner in doing this. And so we're committed to advancing research um, and have been in LCFAOD since 2013. And there are a couple different key stakeholders that we look to do this with. First of all, it's through the uh, people living with the condition. So whether that is a patient, whether that's their parent or care partner or another family member, we really see you as our partner in decision-making when it comes to um, developing interventional observational research. So the, the, um, the DMP is an example of observational research. We also look to support the research interests of, of different uh, physicians and scientists. And so why this is really important, again, is because we're looking to build a collective understanding of LCFAOD and better understand ways to improve disease management. So again, uh, we build partnerships um, with patient organizations, with individual me members of the community, with different physician communities. We look to address those unmet needs based on the insights we learn. We develop resources, and then we turn those insights into programs. And again, that's an example today with, with the DMP. So I'd like to share two key examples of how uh, of really the forms in which we've been convening patients since about 2015. So our patient advocacy team brings together individuals in two different areas for LCFAOD. So the examples would be a patient leadership council and an advisory board. And the goals of these forms are to generate insights that will actually inform the decisions we make internally. And so we, we intentionally ask questions, what is it like to live with the condition? What is most challenging? How is your day-to-day -day life impacted? That information is actually brought in-house and, and we talk about it at meetings and, um, and in various conversations. And then we look to also have a really open and transparent dialogue with the community to help us understand what are other ways that we can support you. So, for example, with, with the Patient Leadership Council, we, we established that group in 2017. It's grown from four people to nine uh, people. It includes um, representatives from the U.S. as well as Canada. And the goal is to provide a bridge between the community and our company. And so it's through these conversations, we meet about four times a year, that we want to, to understand what are appropriate ways for Ultragenics to engage with and support you. And then the advisory boards, we've held five of them since 2015, and that's another opportunity. They typically are more of, of a one-time meeting where we have in-depth conversations about how LCFAOD is impacting you, what it was like to receive the diagnosis, um, and what might you need more of in the future. You could just quickly build this slide, Laura. Yeah, thank you. 
So before I, I turn it over to Laura, what we wanted to, to do is share with you a couple of, of different key insights that we've learned um, since 2015 that have actually informed the development of our DMP studies for LCFAOD. And so with the DMP, um, also with the Odyssey study that we came to talk with you about in May, the research questions that you tell us are important become important to us. And so five um, examples of that include, we want to be able to help you in answering the question, how are you doing? We hear time and time again that that simple question is actually one of the biggest motivations for participating in research. We also know that you're really looking to better understand the natural history of how the condition may progress or even change or evolve over time. Third is um, we, we understand how significant of an impact this condition can have on your daily life, and we want to be able to understand those nuances. Uh, fourth is between the six different types of LCFAOD, we often hear that while there are a lot of similarities, what we've learned is that there are also differences in the long-term research questions um, maybe somebody with um, TFP has versus um, an individual living with the LCAT. And then fifth is our goal is to also understand the impact of, of disease management approaches on LCFAOD. We know there are many and we're committed to understanding um, really what's happening in the real world. So with that, I'd like to hand it over to Laura, who's going to give a very in-depth conversation and presentation on the disease monitoring program we have for LCFAOD. Thank you, Kristen. I appreciate the introduction. So um, as, I, as Kristen correctly said, I'm going to discuss um, a, a, little, a few information about the DMPs. So first of all, the agenda for my talk today is going to include an overview of uh, the LCFAOD targeted research that Ultragenics is conducing. Then we are going to de uh, detail de discuss what is a disease monitoring program, which is a completely new concept in the research world. Then we are going to go in depth about the LCFAOD DMP um, programs that we are about to start, and we are very excited about it. And then we are going to conclude and tie in the end of the session with the next steps and the question and answer session. So please, once again, if you have any questions, feel free to put them in the chat box, and we are going to try to go through as many as we can at the end of the conversation. Okay, so uh, why, why DMPs and why did this uh, question come about? So this question came about uh, from conversation with you. Um, the community was um, giving us a very important feedback that more insights and more information were needed uh, to actually go in depth and learn about LCFAOD, LCFAOD natural history, LCFAOD uh, progression of disease, uh, approach to LCFAOD treatment, and personally, what are patients doing in their daily life living with LCFAODs? Um, and so those are all data that uh, are extremely important not only for us as a company but mostly for the community as patients to kind of understand and um, how each which one is managing how each subtype is managing their problems and how that can be improvements in the treatment and management of the condition so that was something that the community really strongly uh, advocated for and that's something that we heard and so um, and so 
this this is the reason why the DMP programs were uh, born. And this is also the reason why other programs such as Odyssey that was previously discussed in a webinar um, a couple of months ago uh, was uh, came to life. Odyssey is a different but similar study in a sense that it also is focusing on LSCDFAOD, but in, in more of a data gathering and information gathering kind of setup. It's a very important study because it's um, not only providing a lot of insights on natural history and progression of disease, but it's also providing a lot of insights on difference between subtypes and is giving back to the community, uh, providing patients a way to uh, get our own, their own uh, healthcare data all together in one place, which is an invaluable resource in my opinion. So uh, what is actually a disease monitoring program? A disease monitoring program is not a registry. It's different than a traditional registry because it has a lot more um, nuances. It's a, a long-term perspective study, which means that we are going to start now collecting information and we're going to be collecting them for a very long time. Uh, it's, uh, it's an observational study, which means that there's no intervention needed. And it look at outcomes, look at patients' different outcomes, uh, which we're going to be discussing discussing in very many details in a, uh, in a bit. Um, it's expected to last 10 years and is expected to involve a very, very wide population base. So adults and pediatric population, um, and it's targeted for patients living with a certain rare disease. So it can be applied to different types of rare disorders. The design of the DMP is, um, is meant to monitor disease manifestation in patients. Uh, it does not matter if patients have any type of disease management or what type of disease management they have. All of the patients with a specific rare condition or group of rare conditions are welcome in a DMP because the, the, the scope of it is to understand what the disease manifestations are. Um, it ensures consistent collection and ownership and sharing and governance of data, and we're going to be talking about it uh, soon. And it's meant to also characterize the clinical presentation and progression of disease, what actually happens at home, what happens in the clinic, what happens that we don't know about because it's not captured by traditional research, um, what is the patient's perspective, a lot of things that are currently unmet needs and their gaps in our knowledge. It also meant to uh, understand the impact of disease management on the daily life of patients and their families. So um, the concept was developed to, uh, as I said before, to overcome challenges related to developing and managing drugs and rare disease registries. So by learning more about what is actually going on, we are going to be hopefully able to help better in the future to, um, to target management uh, of, of these kind of conditions. It's targeted also to improve uh, transparent data sharing between academic and commercial stakeholders. So the data is important and it's important that is shared in a very transparent fashion it's important that the patients get back um, their information and uh, and get back something from um, from participating in the study and it's also um, the concept has been developed to be in a public private partnership so uh, specifically about the LCFAOD DMP so the other 
For the LCFOD DMP, uh, Altrogenics is a vision to exceed the expectations. So we uh, we are trying to make it uh, a program that is going to be giving back to the community, is going to give back to the patients and the caregivers in a meaningful fashion. Um, also, it is a novel approach uh, to conducing um, global long-term observational studies. It's not been done before, so uh, it's... Um, it's a very exciting time uh, for us and for the patients. So uh, it's, it's going to be helpful to, um, to know the management of the disease using different approaches. And as we said before, it's not an interventional um, study. So no intervention is provided as part of the DMP. Um, the EDMP will be fully sponsored uh, and we are going to describe that in details shortly uh, by Ultragenics. And um, it builds on previous research. Uh, the, the scope of it though is to be much, much larger. So uh, what is currently available is a very limited bulk of data from different researchers all over the world and from very limited numbers of patients. So the goal is getting a lot more information for a lot more time and also information that is directly coming from the patients that was never available before in a typical research setting. So there's two types of DMP that are going to be starting and they're similar but different and, in, and somehow they also can be complementary to each other. Um, so the UX07401 is going to be the in-clinic DMP and the UX07402 is going to be the online DMP. So now the first important thing to, to define is that uh, there's no um, obligation to just choose one over the other. Patients can participate in both if they want to. Uh, so in regards to the in-clinic DMP, the in-clinic DMP is a more structured study in a formal sense, and so it's, um, it has a primary objective to assess the long-term safety, uh, including pregnancy safety, infant safety, and lactation outcomes of patients with LCFAOD who are enrolled in the DMP. It's expected to enroll approximately 300 adults and pediatric patients globally. Um, it will be starting in the United States and Canada and then uh, over, um, over time expand globally. Um, it will involve visits to study sites and interactions with healthcare providers. There will be plenty of study sites expected, so hopefully that's going to be not causing an access problem. The LCFAOD online DMP, instead, it's a completely like a new concept. Um, it, its objectives are mostly to characterize the patient perspective, so the disease impact, the disease management, the resource utilization, and 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 going and giving back to the LCFAOD community with all this amazing bulk of information that was not available so far. And uh, it's, it's run by using a convenient online platform for the patients and their caregivers to self-report information. So it will not involve any in-clinic visits, so there's no traveling or, you know, having to deal with uh, distance involved, and will include just limited virtual interaction with healthcare providers. Uh, given the structure of the study, there is currently no limit expected on the number of participants. The more, the better, and the, we expect a lot more participants, hopefully, than the in-clinic study, um, to get as many information as we can. Um, Adults and pediatric patients and their caregivers all over the world are eligible to participate given how agile the study is. So the key features of the LCFOD DMPs are, first of all, 
It's intentionally designed to be very different from traditional post-marketing commitment studies of just, you know, assessing, assessing safety and, and long-term follow-ups. It just wants to also gather a lot more information than that. It's built to be a resource for the community and not just for the company. Uh, so it's built to give back uh, information, is, give, is built to give back uh, tips and resources from patient to another. So it's going to be very interesting to see what uh, the immense benefit is going to be for the community. Uh, the Ultragenics LSTFDOD is different because um, there's a lot of questions that are designed to understand self-management. So what actually, as I was saying before, what actually the patients and their caregivers are doing at home? What is their approach to problems? What is their approach to good days and bad days? And what is the impact on their daily life activities? Um, regardless to, um, of the type of treatment they may be receiving or they may not be receiving at all. Um, so the aim is to identify ways to support the entire community as a whole and support each other. Um, it will be the largest, longest, and broadest study for LCFAD ever conducted. Um, and so far, as, as far as I know, and as far as I'm aware of, the longest study was 78 weeks in, uh, in, this, uh, in this realm. So this is definitely a lot longer because it's going to be 520 weeks. So that's very different. Um, kind of depth. The participant will continue to have access to their own physician. So that's very important because it's not going to cause any stress on the patients and their caregivers. It's going to keep that relationship alive and is going to keep that discussion and that kind of comfort alive. Um, they can uh, access their own care teams outside the study without any limitations as well. So um, as we uh, already kind of emphasized plenty, the community engagement is central to the LCA, uh, FAOD DMP. So um, the goals of the DMP are directly informed and chosen and, and participated by the LCFAOD community. So the patients and their caregivers are actually the ones who um, shaped the topics that the DMPs will study. They're the ones who, with their feedback, kind of helped us develop the questions that we want to ask, and we'll keep on uh, helping developing questions that we will want to ask tomorrow in a year, five years, or 10 years, which might be different from today's. Um, and we also, from the community, have learned there's a desire for participants to have access to their data. So they, uh, the participants want to be involved, and we are definitely very happy to have patients and caregivers involved uh, because the input they have to uh, research is invaluable to us because it's completely a different perspective. Once the DMP is launched, uh, Ultragenics will continue to, uh, to identify opportunities for feedbacks, as we said, um, from the patients, from their family members, from patient advocates and community advocates to capture feedback, to help us um, making decisions in regards to changes. Changes definitely will be expected and will happen over programs that are so long. So um, we want to make sure that the changes that are going to happen are going to be changes that are going to be inspired and shared by the community advocates and are going to be beneficial for the patients in their own community.
Um, it's important to ensure that each participant has a positive experience. So the feedback is not only wanted, but it's actually encouraged. And uh, that the patients and their caregivers find the online platform easy to use. So that is going to involve a two-way conversation that is going to go over the entire span of the, of the study and is going to make it iterative at, as we will see in a few minutes. Um, it's important also for us to ensure that the survey questions are relevant meaningful and understandable. So if there is any question or change or feedback, that is something that we also welcome and want to know about. Um, so the unique characteristic of the online DMP, as we said before, uh, it's an iterative process. So the online DMP is a new concept. And as every new concept, it starts good, hopefully, uh, and it will hopefully end up being much better or greater. So uh, what is important to make this happen is, as we said before, it's a 10 year study. So it's a long process. The world changes, patient changes, science changes over 10 years. So we want to make sure that the program keeps up to date with the needs of the community and the needs of science. So um, there is expected change and it's going to be welcome. And uh, we want to set the expectations so that the community understands that this evolution will happen and the feedback from the community to make this evolution happen in the correct progress is expected and wanted and, and encouraged. So we want to make sure that the community knows that the community voice will be heard because that was the prime prime movements for this study to start in the beginning. And so that's going to be kept, the promise kept uh, all the way to the end. Um, <clears throat> We are currently assessing a lot of different ways uh, to collect feedback and understand the user experience. So um, it is going to be a two-way process to do so. And every idea is always welcome. And there is um, a, like a structured way um, patients and advocates can contribute to, uh, to do so. And we'll talk about it uh, shortly. Um, so the participation of patients and their advocates is uh, going to help to determine if the content of the data and the questions are understandable, if uh, what we're asking is relatable and relevant to people and their caregivers living with LCFODs. And understand, as I said before, if with change and with time, new research questions should be added or modified. So the goal of the DMP um, is, as I said before, to better understand uh, disorders management and um, to better uh, understand the burden of the disease on the patients and the use of the healthcare resources. Um, all the studies so far have just determined what happens mostly during a crisis. We want to know what happens at home. We want to know what happens on a daily basis, how changes in management can impact long-term quality of life measures that have not been looked at in depth so far. Um, and also, obviously, we want to know about safety and effectiveness of whatever measure is used to help managing these conditions. Uh, so uh, the specific outcomes will include uh, the MCEs, which are defined as major clinical events. In LCFAOD, MCEs are rhabdomyolysis, which is the muscle inflammation and destruction with muscle pain, um, cardiomyopathy, which is as obviously uh, from the word is uh, cardiac involvement with cardiac dysfunction, and hypoglycemia, which are, as you all know, episodes of low blood sugars uh, with symptoms such as dizziness, um, headaches, and lethargy. 
um, we are going to be looking at signs, symptoms, management, and other uh, disorders or other problems and long-term complications that might arise over time. Um, then the other important outcome is to look at how the disease may change over time, um, the presentation, the course, and its, its long-term impact. Um, it is very important uh, to track nutritional interventions over time, because as we know, uh, in, in metabolic disorders, especially every minimal nutritional change can dramatically affect symptoms and course of the condition. So that is something that is an unmet need that really needed to be addressed. Um, we are going to be uh, looking at impact of LCFAD on patients and families, as I said before, and that is very important to look at not just what happens, but how it impacts patients and families in uh, their quality of life, on their symptoms, on the ability to participate in social and physical activities, as well as for children, uh, the ability to go to school, and for adults and caregivers, the ability to go to work and not miss work days, and for everyone, uh, how the, the LCFAOD impacts their social relationship, their family relationship, their emotional and mental health, and the entire family dynamics. And also another important thing that we are going to be looking at is the incidence of any possible uh, gastrointestinal adverse event that might occur or not in patients with uh, LCFAOD. So uh, the key information, just to summarize, that we are going to be collecting and studying uh, in detail are going to be, first of all, metabolic crisis. So the MCEs, when do they happen? How do they happen? How long do they last for? Are they uh, going into a hospitalization or they're managing at home? And all of this information, including rhabdomyolysis, cardiomyopathy, and hypoglycemic episodes. We're going to be looking at frequency and duration of hospitalization over time. Um, we are going to be collecting real world data to understand economic burden of the disease, uh, especially when it comes to hospitalizations. Um, length of stay in the ICU versus the regular units, and also a frequency and duration of emergency department visits. Um, we are going to be definitely looking at mortality and what causes mortality in different subtypes of LCFAODs to have a better understanding of how to prevent that, hopefully. Um, We're going to be looking at endurance, um, which is going to be measured as distance walked um, by a 12 minutes walk test. Um, we're going to be looking at changes in sign, symptoms, and impact of disease management over time, as I said. And um, as I also mentioned, last but not least, but we are going to be looking at health-related quality of life and patient-reported outcomes. So uh, first uh, specific targeted aim is to understand uh, what is the onset and the manifestation of LCFAODs in newborns. So um, to looking, by looking at newborns, we are going to be able to follow them from diagnosis, um, which can be postnatal um, at symptoms um, in countries or, or states that do not have newborn screening. It can be at newborn screening or starting at the newborn screening, or it can be even starting prenatally if the diagnosis is prenatally known. So we are going to be having a bulk of data that was not available so far. And so that is gonna help uh, everyone understand and use the impact of disease uh, over a long-term period. And over the most critical period of a baby's life, especially when there is an early onset presentation of LCFAOD, is very important to know uh, details to try to help managing them better. 
the DMP hopes to enroll families that can have one or more affected child. Um, and a collection of information of infant outcomes is going to happen um, in a much more frequent fashion from pregnancy throughout the first year of life to have a lot of data points to better understand what is going on in these babies. Um, the DMP, as we said before, also aims to better understand the health of pregnant women. So uh, pregnancy and sa pregnancy safety study was obviously definitely needed. So uh, we want to, um, to get information about the safety uh, and pregnancy outcomes of patients with LCFAOD and their babies and their own health before and after the birth. Um, so the important thing to uh, define here is there's going to be two different but similar key groups. So the first key group is going to include the pregnant women with healthy FAOD who are carrying an affected fetus and so is going to be um, hoping to enroll them um, um, initially before they're pregnant or if they are uh, enrolled at pregnancy, they're going to be you know, um, following them over the 10 year span and is going to be uh, also uh, studying the baby for one year after birth. Whereas the second group is going to be um, enrolling an affected pregnant women uh, carrying fetuses with LCFAOD. So these women technically do not have LCFAOD, but it's very important to follow them as well, because as we know, there's specific health outcomes that can occur also in uh, carrier moms who um, carry a fetus who is affected, such as HELP syndrome and other liver complication. And it's very important to get a better understanding on how this happens and how it's managed to help hopefully um, get better outcomes from pregnancy and for the baby. And so, um, and the babies obviously will be um, invited to, um, to stay in the DMP for the entire period of time after they're born. Key features of pregnancy, um, uh, of pregnancy safety study is going to be collecting safety information uh, at mid-pregnancy and within one month of the estimated due date, and also collecting postpartum safety information on the mom every six months to ensure that we know what is going on. Um, so uh, advancing the LCFOD science through data science uh, and to data gathering is the goal of the DMP. Um, and so it's going to be, as we said before, uh, a resource for the LCFOD community and not just for the company. Um, it will provide a lot of different benefits uh, across the healthcare ecosystem, especially, you know, um, benefits to the patients, to the advocacy group, to the healthcare providers, but also benefits to the reimbursement authorities. Um, hopefully through better understanding of the actual burden of disease, there will be a more, um, you know, um, a better outlook from the reimbursement authorities in regards to providing the good or needed care to patients with LCFAOD. And it's going to be also obviously be a, a great benefit to research in this uh, realm as a whole. The DMP participants will be able to look at their data. Uh, so that's something very important because it's not always happening in, in research. And so that's a stress, a point that I really want to stress. Uh, patients can look at their data, um, but uh, we are going to make privacy paramount. So uh, only the de-identified data that are relevant will be communicated to each stakeholder in, uh, in the environment. So um, it's there's going to be a very, very big effort effort to maintain privacy and maintain, you know, um, sh information sharing to the minimum necessary for each stakeholder. 
um, the DMP will provide an opportunity for long-term engagement, as we said before, through the iterative process uh, of developing the studies and shaping what the studies are going to be a few years down the line. It's going to be a very creative and, and involved effort from the community as well as from the company in a two-way fashion. Um, so how do we uh, make sure that all the people and all the players are included and, and their voice is heard? So that is through the steering committee. So the steering committee includes different players, as I was saying. So first player is going to be disease expert. So researcher, um, clinicians, uh, anyone who's a disease expert all over the world, starting in North America and then expanding to Latin America and Europe uh, for now. Um, uh, all these uh, experts who have significant knowledge of LCFAOD will be invited to uh, to you know speak their voice and uh, and speak their concerns and ask their questions to um, you know to share their experience managing this group of conditions. Um, second, obviously, is going to be member of the LCFAOD community who can represent and advocate for patients, caregivers, and advocacy groups. Um, the, the questions coming from the community are important and usually very different from the questions coming from the actual research community, and it's very important that they're merged together. And the last um, players are going to be, obviously, internal ultragenics employees who are tasked with the strategic, technical, and operational management of the study. So they're tasked to hear the voices from the other player and turn them into actual questions uh, and or assessments that are needed to improve the quality of the study over time. So the steering committee is going to have a very, very broad scope of functions. And obviously, this is what we identified today. The steering committee itself might be able to identify more function over time. So, uh, so far, the, the, uh, the the DMP governance is going to involve research proposals. So um, studying new domains, uh, conduct, conducting sub-studies within the population that exists or doesn't exist yet, and other projects with scientific merit um, is going to be tasked uh, with managing data sharing requests. So whenever there is a need or a request to view data on patients, um, such as number of participants, uh, prevalence of diagnosis and subtypes, impact of symptoms and, uh, on, on, uh, and complications, uh, and impact on daily life activities such as work or schools. So every single of these requests will have to go through the steering committee to be a evaluated and approved to make sure that the privacy uh, is respected. Uh, publication review and finalization is going to go through the steering committee as well to make sure that it is um, significant and is relevant to what the goals of the, of the DMP and of the entire community are. And analysis planning and review uh, are going to be another uh, function of the steering committee. So, um, so the steering committee is going to help determine ways also to share the publications with the patient and the family community. As we said before, giving back and uh, giving data back is a very important goal. So we want to make sure that this is um, done properly. Um, and any member of the steering committee can present proposals to the committee for consideration. So that was very important to make sure that every single uh, player's voice can be actively heard. Okay. Um, 
there has there have been other DMPs uh, that have already been running in ultragenics. So uh, the main um, example is the GME myopathy DMP, which uh, has been established in partnership with Treat NMD, so the Patient Association, uh, and it's an online um, DMP uh, open to patients with GME myopathy of any age. And as we said before, as um, the concept of the DMP is, it's anonymous and the data is accessible to medical and research community and, pa and patient advocates advocacy organizations to help understanding and drive patient-focused clinical research question. And as um, our DMPs is also governed by steering committee and ethics committee. So um, other DMPs are available in other rare disorders and have been running uh, already, such as X-linked um, hypophosphatemia, uh, in short XLH, and MPS7. So in conclusion, just to try to pinpoint the key features to remember, even though there's a lot, uh, the DMP will include two different studies. One is the in-clinic study that is limited to approximately 300 adults because obviously it has an in-clinic effort. Uh, and it's going to be global, uh, starting with the United States and Canada, and also expected to last 10 years. And the online study, which is open and does not have any patient number limitation, and is open to adults and pediatric patients um, really before birth through death, so at any age, um, there's no intervention provided as part of the DMP. So it's, a, um, it's absolutely an observational perspective study. So uh, the, the goal is going to be to contribute to research advances regardless of any type of disease management, if any. And uh, it's fully sponsored. Um, and so all doctors and patient costs will be covered. Uh, and as we said before, patients can keep their own care teams. Um, and, um, and any patients, uh, regardless of management of disease or age, can participate. So the anticipated timelines, um, hopefully um, the aim is to launch the DMP by the end of the year. Uh, so the in-clinic is going to be uh, the first to begin, and the online DMP will follow shortly after. Um, United States is going to be the first country to start uh, with the in-clinic DMP, followed shortly by Canada and, and Europe. Um, as we said already multiple times, but I can't stop stressing that because I think it's very important. Um, it's going to be an iterated process. So especially for the online DMP, um, we will um, not only expect, but welcome questions, feedbacks, involvement of the patients and the sites and the caregivers uh, to help inform the development of new questions and identify important trends over time, because we really can't know everything that's going to happen and how like the landscape is going to shape over the, ten, the next 10 years. So um, the, uh, the DMP and the LCFODs have two ways to contribute uh, to the ultragenics research. So um, the LCFOD, um, as I said before, the DMP led by us uh, is a long-term perspective outcome studies um, that is collecting a broad range of measures over 10 years. So we, uh, we already discussed uh, all the features and um, you know the role of medical records in the DMP is um, both retrospective and prospective, as well as is in the Odyssey study that we'll just briefly touch upon again uh, soon. So uh, the retrospective part in the DMP is going to be going back to 18 
18 months uh, or the birth, whichever is earlier. So we will be collecting data from 18 months before enrollment or uh, at birth um, uh, for the biomarkers for any MCEs, which are major uh, clinical events and hospitalization and any additional disease manifestation. So it's going to be targeted towards events. Um, the prospective data instead is going to be uh, captured by um, clinical data and various surveys, and so it's going to be much broader scope. Um, the, in, there's, uh, as I said before, there's difference between the in-clinic and online. I don't want to repeat myself too much. Uh, whereas, you know, the other study that um, is contributing to uh, research in the LCFAOD realm is the Odyssey study that is conducted in partnership with Picnic Health. And so the Odyssey study um, also has a retrospective and prospective purpose, but um, the ability to capture retrospective data is a lot more extensive because uh, with a partnership of Picnic Health is going to be able to collect all the patients uh, chart data uh, for at least seven years prior to enrollment in the study and put them together in one uh, in one spot so that not only it will be um, easy for research purposes to gather a lot of data on management and disease progression, but it also will be very easy and helpful for the patients to have all their healthcare records gathered in one place for whatever use they want to do with it. Um, and obviously it's going to be having a perspective part uh, with the same ability for as long as the study continues. So it is, this is limited, obviously, that given the amount of work and information that needs to be collected, uh, the Odyssey study is limited to 100 patients currently, and it's only um, available in the United States. So just to briefly like um, recap, how can we use stay informed about the LCFAODDNP? First of all, keep a conversation open with your metabolic geneticist. So keep talking about it and, and make sure they're aware um, so that any information can follow through the appropriate stream. Um, second, Ultragenics will share information with MitoAction and Inform once we have more specific information about the MPs. And third, you can visit the website as www.ultracareadvocacy.com to stay in touch with the patient advocacy team and access any kind of information you want about LCFAOD. All right, so I think we have a little time for questions. So let's get started. Okay, thank you so much, Laura. That is a lot of information to digest. That's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of great stuff. So I have a ton of questions. Perfect. So um, can a patient decide at any time to terminate participation in either program? Absolutely. Um, participation can be terminated at any time, whether it's one month, one year, five years, or nine years into the DMP. It's absolutely uh, up to the patients to choose that. Perfect. Um, can a patient participate in both the disease monitoring program and the initiative with Picnic Health, or do they need to decide between the two? Um, they can. Okay, great. So they can participate in both programs at the same yes. time. Okay. Does a, can a patient participate on their own, right? A lot of studies and a lot of um, initiatives require like the clinician participation. Is mm -hmm. this initiative something that requires both the physician and the patient to participate or can the patient participate just on their own? 
So the patient can participate on their own in the online DMP. Uh, as we said before, for the online part, there is no, or almost no physician involvement. It's a direct patient report. So that is not gonna involve any clinic visit or, or healthcare uh, provider interaction. In the in-clinic study, they um, can participate. Obviously, if they don't have a physician, they can be referred to a center, but it will be involving a physician. Perfect. Um, and so the length of the study being mm-hmm. 10 years, is there a plan? I know you talked about definitely like reevaluating and reassessing things as time mm-hmm. goes on, but mm-hmm. during that time, is it a traditional study where patients won't receive any input or feedback or outcome report until at the end of 10 years, or will there be an ongoing reporting? There is an ongoing reporting planned. So there's data cuts that are going to be uh, analyzed and provided every so often. It's not currently yet perfectly defined, but but it's definitely going to be uh, a few data cuts over time. So information will be available before the end of the 10 years, for sure, multiple times. Okay. Do you, and do you know, or, or have an idea in terms of online versus um, in clinic, the Mm -hmm. number of interactions that will be necessary with the clinician and the patient? So how often they'll have to check in? Right. So, um, so the in-clinic obviously has a more um, substantial commitment. So there's, um, there's visits that are in person and there's visits that are on the phone. So it's not super uh, intensive. Um, other than the first couple of years, so there's like more frequent visits, like about every six months or so. But after that is um, the commitment of um, in-person visit is every two years and the rest is phone visits with the dietitian or the physician. Um, and anyway, all the details will going to be shared uh, shortly when everything is perfectly like set up. With the online uh, study, there's really no interaction needed. So the interactions are just whatever interaction the patients and their caregivers are having normally it's more of a self-reporting it's almost like you know a diary in a sense like we're self-reporting what happened in our life perfect so can you talk about any limitations that might exist for a patient that would preclude them from participating like is a genetic confirmation required or are there any any limitations that is a very good question um and we had uh, a lot of discussions about it so the genetic confirmation so far is not required uh a diagnosis that is made biochemically is sufficient um it's, it's just we just need to know what type of uh of lcfaod the patient has and so there is um that is going to be uh required but we don't need genetic testing which is a problem for certain countries especially for access so it's, it's very simple perfect that's that's good news because that opens up the door to so many more participants being able to to join in so that's really absolutely good. yeah so you talk about patients having access to their data. Can you tell us a little bit more about like what that means? Like will patients be able to go in and download reports or download information to share with their clinical team? So what what does access mean? Yes, so uh, the access is gonna happen through a web-based platform that is currently, you know, being developed and changed all the time. And that's going to be changed and developed with the help of the patient themselves. So the patient is going to have like some kind of portal to go in and look at their data, look at, you know, nutritional information and their the records of what happened to them before. So they're able to kind of use that as reference for their, their healthcare data. 
That's great. I, I can't tell you how exciting this is. You know, again, as I said in my opening remarks, it's so important for patients to take an active role. And there's so many ways for patients to participate without actually it, you know, being involved in a, a, a physical study where they're on drug or, or potential therapies. Um, and so this is a huge way just in the course of your day-to-day -day life that patients can, as you said, kind of keep a diary and help the community really understand what living with an FAOD is about, what mm -hmm. the challenges are and what the needs are of the community. So that studies are designed you can ensure that the outcomes are what the patients want and not what we may think that they want, but they're actually telling us what they need solved. Um, so this is just a really great opportunity for the patients to take an active role and have a voice in that. So we yes. thank you so much for the development of this. And I know, you know, patients are being pulled in a million different ways, asking for their data and ask for their information and to have one place that you can provide all of this information um, is so key in stream, you know, streamlining it for the community to make it as simple as possible. So that's, that's really exciting to hear. And that's absolutely Claire, the, can I just... of the charter. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. Sorry, Chris. No, no, uh, no, 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 uh, please finish Laura. I just wanted to add on to something earlier, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying that this is actually the vision and the charter of the DMP, that's the main goal. Yeah, I, I, I also wanted to, um, to share that part of the intention or the charter as Laura is describing is we recognize that people also wanna understand how they may be faring as part of the collective community. And so an intention will be to share that information. So how are you doing compared to others um, in the online program, for, for example? And, you know, we really recognize that, that some of these questions around data privacy and access, like the devils and the, the, the details. And, and so as the studies become uh, launched over time and live, we'll be able to to um, address those inquiries in much more detail. But for today, um, it's kind of just high level wanted to give you insight into the, the intention and, and, the, um, and the vision. Absolutely, no, that's really great. And we'll, like, as you said, Kristen, we will continue to share information with the community as you guys make it available to us. Um, so be sure to check back to the MitoAction website for more information um, and, and we'll be sure to keep everyone updated. So I just wanna share one comment that came from a patient, um, you know, as we get ready to close this off, because I think this um, says how we all feel right now about ultragenics and the work that you're doing. It says, I just wanna say thank you for investing in our community and offering this opportunity to us. This study sounds like it will find the answers to the questions we've always had, but never had the answers to. Thank you for giving us hope. Couldn't set it back. for sharing that. Couldn't say it better. So thank you, Kristen and Laura, so much for sharing about this incredible opportunity to advance research for the LCFEOD community, and most important, the role that the patient community can play in this process. We're so incredibly grateful for the work of the entire team at Ultragenics and your commitment to the rare disease community. I also want to thank, um, to make sure everyone's aware of our upcoming conference, um, that MitoAction is hosting along with Dr. Jerry Buckley and INFORM, the International Metabolic Conference for Families Affected by FAODs, 
Ultragenics is our presenting sponsor. And so you'll have lots of opportunities uh, through the conference to hear from Ultragenics and to interact with them and, and have some Q&A sessions um, to learn more about all of the great programs and all the great research and things that are going on at Ultragenics. So I would encourage everyone to um, get the information from our website. If you haven't already registered, it's gonna be a really fun event. We've got some cooking sessions that are gonna take place. We've got family yoga. There's all kinds of sessions for the kids, but most importantly, some of the leading clinicians and FAOD who are going to be sharing the latest and greatest information um, about what's up and coming um, and sharing just, just great information and support with our community. So I would encourage you all, that is July 23rd, 24th, and 25th, and it's all virtual, and there is no cost to join. So as a reminder, today's presentation will be posted on our website for anyone who would like to listen again or share with others. We thank each and every one of you for joining us for today's monthly Mito Expert series. Our presentations also, in addition to being on our website, you can find them on um, podcast outlets, including Google Play, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So everyone be safe. If there's anything Mito Action can do to support you and your families, please don't hesitate to reach out. Kristen and Laura, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you joining us today. Everyone enjoy your day. Have a wonderful weekend. And until next time. Thank you so much for the invitation. We really appreciate it. And uh, we're just, we're pleased to be able to be here. And thank you for the feedback shared. I'm definitely, we'll definitely bring that back to our entire team, actually. Wonderful. Absolutely. Thanks, everyone. Thank Take care. Have a good afternoon. You Bye. too. Bye-bye.